Hey, Robin, thank you so much for that. It's absolutely beautiful. It's been a long time since I've been able to stand up here before y'all. I'm happy to be here this morning. Um, as y'all know, life can be very crazy at times. And um, anyway, I'm excited to share with y'all the message that God has laid on my heart for this morning. Um, let's just start with prayer and then we'll dive in. It looks like I got about 48 minutes, so I'll try to get you out of here on time. So let's pray. Lord God, I come into your presence this morning and we just give you praise for being the one true God. Lord, you are all powerful, all knowing and in complete control of all things. Lord, we often look at our world and we sometimes get so distressed by just everything that we see going on around us. Lord, please forgive us when we look too closely at those things and we lose our focus on you. Lord, help us to remember that you are our king, you're our Lord, and that you are not surprised by any of the things that are going on around us. You, Lord, are in complete control, and as believers in you, we can trust you to watch over us, to provide for us, and to take care of our every last need. Lord, as we open your word together this morning, we ask that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would just come upon us and reveal your truth to us and your will to each of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, Pastor Sean um, was preaching to us out of Psalm chapter 1, and he was encouraging us to read it, to study it, and to even be saturated by it. I feel that a natural topic to follow up on after talking about possibly being saturated in the word is the issue of obedience. So by obedience, dictionary.com defines it as compliance with an order, request, or law, or submission to another's authority. It's another website I go to often. It's called gotquestions.org. It defines obedience as this. Dutiful submissive compliance to the commands of one in authority Using this definition, we see the elements of biblical obedience. Dutiful means it is our obligation to obey God, just as Jesus fulfilled his duty to the Father by dying on the cross for each of our sins. Submissive indicates that we yield our will to God's will. Command speaks of the scripture in which God has clearly delineated his instructions. The one authority is God himself, whose authority is total and unequivocal. For the Christian... Obedience means complying with everything that God has commanded. It's our duty to do so. So this morning, I just pose a simple question. Does obedience really matter? So we're going to take a look at that in a little more detail this morning. First, I want to tell, tell you all a little something. I know a lot of you all probably have already seen the pictures. We got a new little puppy in our house a few months ago. If I were honest, I would tell you that it's Tabitha's dog, but I done fallen in love with this pup, and I cannot tell you how, how good a friends he and I are. Um, I've spoiled him pretty badly, uh, even to the point where we drive up in the Chick-fil-A parking lot, he just sits up really, really stout because he knows he's getting ready to get him some good chicken nuggets. We've taught him a lot of things. We've taught him to sit, to shake, to lay down, to fetch, but he doesn't always bring it back. And then we also have, I've tried to teach him to patiently wait, like he'll sit by me at the dinner table a lot, against everybody else's in the house, um, against what they think I should be doing. But I'll take a bite, and then if he's good, I'll throw him a bite off my plate. 
Um, and for me, you can see I'm a big guy, so if I'm sharing my food, I must really love this dog. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think that uh, Ted or Teddy is his name. I think he definitely wants to make me happy. But, but anyway, he has one more bad habit. I guess really the only bad habit. He likes to gnaw on my hands, and he's done this since he was a little, little tiny puppy, and now he's like 60 pounds. So him gnawing on my hands hurts a lot worse than it used to. But um, I think it brings him, it's either a sign of affection or it brings him comfort or something. I'm not sure. But Ann tells me that we need to get that straight. We need to get that behavior under control. He needs to learn to be obedient. I think, I don't know if that's the mom and her or the teacher or, or a little bit of both, but she, she gets after me on that. So we teach our children to obey, or at least we try to teach them to obey. So as adults, I'd ask the question, do we like to obey? So I'm going to ask you all, this will be participatory. How many of you all like to be told what to do? And I don't have my glasses on, but I don't see one single hand up. Anyway, as a youth minister here, we discuss this, this topic often. And when I speak with the youth, I'll tell you that I don't think I've ever heard any of them say, I just love it when people tell me what to do. We usually like to do things our way, and we like to do what we want when we want. So a lot of times I think obedience is against our nature. We can recognize that if our kids want to do it their way, that that could be devastating. That's why we teach kids when they're little, you know, don't touch the hot stove. And now we're trying to teach Teddy the same thing, because if he sees us cooking, he wants to see what's going on. Don't run into a busy street. Don't talk to strangers, you know, all those kind of things. So we teach our children that obedience is important. We teach them that simply because we love them, we care about them, and we want what's best for them to keep them safe. I feel like God has given us a lot of scripture to look at for the same reason. God loves us, he wants what's best for us, and he wants to keep us safe. We often like to say we love God, and we're here to serve him. But deep down, a lot of times, we still want things our own way. I've even seen it, saw it done on a few occasions in the church where people will say, you know, I'm being obedient to what God wants, and then they try to force their own will or their own opinions on others. I encourage the youth often, probably once every month or six weeks, don't just listen to my teaching. Don't just listen to Pastor Sean. Read the Word of God for yourself. Allow God through His Spirit to reveal His truth to you. We can't just be lazy Christians and expect to please God. Look at some of the problems we've had over the years with people getting off track, and I think it's because they, they just believe whatever somebody tells them instead of reading it for themselves, and a lot of times they get led astray. Again, we can't be lazy and expect to please God. Just like relationships within our families and our friendships take work, our relationship with God takes effort as well. So in John chapter 13, Jesus is teaching his disciples what they can expect. He has shown them the importance of humility and serving others through the washing of their feet. He's telling them that his time is close. And then he kind of gives them a heads up on what they can expect in the near future. Of course, they were all distressed. They're concerned.
again, and I'll take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How could we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus tells them, do not be worried. Do not be troubled. Everything's going to be okay. Believe in God and believe in Jesus. He assured them that God has a place for them in his house and that Jesus is going there to prepare that place for us. You know, if we took time to really reflect on this truth, I think we'd be a lot less stressed out in life if we really sat there and thought about that God has a place for us, that when our time on this earth is done, then we get to spend the rest of our time with Jesus. I was talking to a friend the other day who had, had a loss in his family, and I was just telling, reflecting about the differences between my two grandmothers just before they passed. I was lucky enough to get to spend time, a lot of time with both of them toward the very end of their lives. One of my grandmothers was, like, terrified. You know, she was worried sick. She was not ready to go. And my other grandmother was like, you know, I'm ready if it's time. You know, she was at complete peace. It changed who I am as a person to have that confidence of death about watching her. But Jesus also assures them that he cares for them, as he does for us. Not only is he going to prepare a place for us, but he's also going to make sure that we get there. He will come for us. Jesus promises when that time comes that we will be with him. Jesus thought it was clear to them how to get there, but Thomas just wanted to make sure he didn't have, have missed the memo or he was a little confused. He just point blank asked, hey, where, where are we going? And Jesus says to him plainly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, we live in a day, in a time, where it's just socially unacceptable to speak exclusive truth. But that doesn't change the truth. I honestly feel like that if we don't speak truth, then in a way, we are really like false teachers if we exclude telling people the truth and that we could be leading people away from God. Regardless of what our culture says, regardless of what makes people feel comfortable, God's word is clear. There is only one way into a relationship with God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Anything other than that is a lie, a deception, and honestly, an attack on other people's eternity is the way I see it. So we can sit here not wanting to ruffle feathers, not wanting to offend, but I think, matter of fact, I know we should always speak the truth. Where a lot of people get messed up is they don't speak the truth in love. Our true goal for speaking God's truth should be to see people reconciled to God. 
not because their behaviors may make us feel uncomfortable or because they have a different view than us. We need to truly seek to see people know Christ and to be able to spend eternity with him. But last thing on that is, the bottom line is, Jesus is exclusively the only way. Verse 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So Jesus tells us that if we believe in him, that we will do what he, what he does. And he also reminds his disciples where he's going. He's going to be with his Father. You know, we need to be about the Father's business, just as Jesus is. We've got so many distractions in our world, so many things that we're running ragged, worrying about. I mean, for goodness sake, look at last week when we thought we weren't going to have gas. I mean, it was like everybody was in a panic, myself included. I'm calling my employees like, fill the work van up. We've got to be able to get to work. We worry about all these little things because I think a lot of times we get so busy, we're missing the main point. We need to set aside serving our own agendas sometimes and just focus on serving the Lord. John, this is our main scripture text in John 14, starting in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus clearly says that if we love him, that we will keep his commandments. We will do what he he tells us to do. We will do what the word of God tells us to do. This doesn't leave us any room to twist things around and say, you know, I'm going to do it my way. We are called to obedience. In verse 16, Jesus tells us that he will ask the Father to give us a helper, the Holy Spirit, to be able to be obedient. I don't think we talk about the Spirit enough because quite honestly, there is no way we can be completely obedient to God unless it's an act of God himself through the Holy Spirit. I believe it takes more than just a desire for us to do right, to be obedient. It takes more than hard work. It takes more than focus. Jesus has sent us this helper to be with us forever. And if we receive that gift of salvation through Christ, then we receive this helper. And the Holy Spirit lives within us. You know, the youth and I have been reading and studying through the book of Acts. And we started the same time Sean started his sermon series back in the fall, but we're not even halfway through yet, but we're, we're plugging along. But one thing that we have noticed is prior to the appearance of the Holy Spirit, these guys were fearful, timid, and quite honestly, wimpy at times. But once the Spirit came, they fearlessly proclaimed God's truth. They stood even to the point of persecution and death. You know, we live in a time where the word love is just thrown around very loosely. I'm going to give you some examples. Some of these I, I truly believe, but some of them I think were kind of a stretch. I love my wife. I love my family. I love my puppy. 
I love to teach. You notice I didn't say anything about my kids. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love sports. I love food. You kind of get the idea. We, we use the word love a lot. But when God's word says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Love is more than a feeling. It's an action. We must be doing something. We must be obeying God and his word. As Sean showed us last week, we must know God's word first to be able to obey it. Picking back up in John chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus promises that he will overcome death and that we can live as he does. We as believers will know that Jesus is the Father is in the Father, and that Jesus is in us, and together we're in him. Again, he drives that verse, that point home in verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus reminds us that we must have his commandments and keep them. This is how we love him, by obedience, by following his word, his teaching, his commands. You know, throughout the scriptures, everywhere you look is the topic of obedience. In Exodus 19.5, it says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all time. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and you may live long in the land. And John 15, 14, it says, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. In 2 John 1, 6, the word says, And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. In Luke 28, the word says, Blessed rather are those who hear the words of God and keep it. I could go on all day reading scriptures throughout um, about obedience. You know, I debated between two passages and I selected this one um, from John 14 as a primary pa passage, but I decided to sneak in this, this other one um, that I was debating on because I, th I think it's important too. This is from 1 Samuel chapter 15. Saul was given a word from God through Samuel the prophet to go and defeat the Amalekites and destroy everything, literally everything. Saul prepared the people. They went down and they started to follow God's instruction. But once they got into it, somewhere along the way, the plans changed. And they chose to tweak or alter God's command. I'm going to read a little bit to you from verse, uh, ch uh, chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, starting verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. 
I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on on it and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be to you, you to the Lord, I have performed this commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and this lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop, I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And then he said to him, Speak. And Samuel said, Though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to the destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of the Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. But the people took the spoil of the sheep and oxen and the best of the things devoted to destruction so that we could sacrifice to the Lord God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is a sin of divination and presumption is iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. You know, friends, brothers and sisters, obedience is a big deal. It matters. Partial obedience is disobedience. We must diligently study God's word. We must know what God expects of us and what God requires of us. And then we must be obedient to it. Even if it's tough, even if, even if it costs us something. You know, I was told when I was growing up, and this is completely on a different topic, but it's basically, it does tie together. I was told it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with what you make. And the point of that was, you could make tons and tons of money, but if you wasted it all, then you still had nothing. But if you made a little bit of money and you were responsible with it and you saved it and you invested it well, then, you, then you, you, you know, you'd still have something to show for your, your efforts. I feel that today we're looking at a similar principle. You know, it doesn't matter how much scripture we know, how much knowledge we attain, if we do absolutely nothing with it. I often tell the youth, don't get so overwhelmed trying to read entire books of the Bible. Take out a chunk, read it. Try to truly understand what God's saying and how it can apply to your life. We must be doing what the Word of God says. In James 1.22, the Word says, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, 
deceiving yourselves. Yeah, I believe that God has brought us a leader that is going to take us in a direction that as, as the time I've spent as a Christian in my adult life that I've not been on before. He's trying to take us deeper into the scriptures. He's trying to help us to truly understand God's word. And that's not a knock on other pastors. Everybody's got their own style. But I am excited because I, when I come to church, I know, I know that I'm going to be getting a healthy dose of God's word. I believe that Pastor Sean has taken us deeper in the scripture for a reason. I think he wants us to truly know God in ways that maybe we've not known him before. But along with that knowledge comes responsibility. We will be held to a higher accountability once we know exactly what God expects of us. My hope is that we as individuals and that we as Monument Heights Baptist Church will not be like Saul and just do part of God's word or obey select parts of it. My hope and my prayer is that we will be completely obedient to the calling that God has put before us. So I encourage you, pray for Sean. I also believe we are truly called to reach our community for Christ. We're in a world that has just gone off, gone off in a crazy direction, it seems like. People need the truth. I've always had the mindset when I've been teaching young people that I'd rather have a couple of, couple of young people that would go deeper in the Word of God and truly know God than to have a hundred that were a quarter inch deep. But wouldn't it be awesome if God filled this place with people who wanted to really know God and do His will? I believe that's something we need to pray for. I truly believe that the calling God has on Monument Heights is to be a community of believers, knowing God at a deeper level, obeying his commands, and leading people to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word and just how you tell us everything we need to know. Lord, I thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you are patient with us. Lord, your word is so clear that every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Lord, your word also promises us that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, may we never forget that as we talk to other people. There's two kinds of people, Lord. It's people that know you and people that need to know you. Lord, help us never be mightier than others or holier than thou or anything like that. Help us to always look at people as people. Help us to see them as you see them, Lord. Help us to see them as people who either know you or need to know you. Lord, I pray you would keep us humble. I pray you would give us a hunger and a desire for your word. 
And Lord, I pray that You would give us, through Your Spirit, the ability to be obedient to Your Word so that people around us, Lord, will see there's something different about us. Lord, Your Word tells us that we are to let our light shine before men in a way to glorify You and You alone. Lord, I pray that You would help us to do that each and every moment of every day. Lord, help us to do it in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, and in the community around us. Lord, may we honor You with all we do and say. And Lord, if there's people here today that they're not sure about this whole Jesus thing. Lord, I pray that after the service that they would, they would come find somebody and they would talk to Rupert or myself or, or anybody else, Lord, and just say, look, you know, what is it about this Jesus thing? Lord, give us steps this week to take as we study your word. I pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. I think Suzanne's going to come and we're going to have another song. I kept my word. I didn't keep you past 12. So anyway, God bless you guys. Mm-hmm.